Hello, all. Welcome to the Hope Without Sight podcast with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans. The topic of this podcast will consist of many stories of people from various backgrounds and experiences who have had many challenges and have been able to successfully overcome them and rise to the top. So sit back and relax as we give you the best of these diverse stories. Because if you are feeling down and out, like you cannot make it in the world, then this podcast is the right one for you. Because if my guests can make it, so can you. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hope Without Sight with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and... This is Tyler Evans. And this is episode 13, recording in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, here at Casa de Influencia, at the podcast content creation camp hosted by Michelle Abraham. So good to be here. I know, although Tyler, you're not here with me, but. Oh, well, maybe next time. On today's episode, we have a very special gentleman who has had quite a life story. Uh, He has three sons with autism and ADHD, and he has received a diagnosis himself. He has a master's degree. Please welcome Brian King. Brian, how are you doing today? Thank you so much, Sailor. It's an absolute joy. I wish I was there in Puerto Vallarta with you because I'm currently in the Chicago area with snow and cold. <laughs> wow, well, yeah, it, it, I bet it's cold. Yeah, yeah, it's cold. But in general, my stock answer is I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, um, but, uh, so yeah, welcome to the Hope Without Sight. So, uh, as I mentioned before we started, this podcast is all about featuring people who've had obstacles in life and have overcome them. Uh, Tyler and I, um, we certainly have had them, right? Because uh, uh, both of us are uh, legally blind. And we're we're not just friends. We're almost brothers. Brothers from another mother, we'd say, right? Yes, indeed. And as long as the world ceases to accommodate all of us, it's... The struggles are just going to continue. They oh, absolutely! Yeah, you got that right. So, give us some background. Uh, and your biography, you mentioned you have three sons with autism and ADHD, and you have it yourself. And honestly, I mean, you don't seem to have the disorder to me. I don't. I can't notice anything so far. So, uh, well, tell us more about it. We've we've known each other for a. a We've known each other for a couple minutes, so let me yeah. fill in the gaps. Uh, I grew up with an, I grew up with undiagnosed uh, Aspergers at the time, ADHD, dyslexia, and dyscalculia. So I struggled with reading and math, and I was always called you know lazy, dreamy, unmotivated. It was always a character flaw. That's what they always brought it back to. That was why I was struggling, and because I was clumsy and socially awkward, I didn't make friends easily. The boys made fun of me. The boys would hit me, punch me, throw rocks at my head. And just being raised that way was awful. I also had a father with Asperger's, 
a mom with ADHD, neither one of them knew it, and then tried to raise three kids, my brothers and I, who all had Asperger's ADHD to some degree. So our house was like two cats trying to herd cats. Okay? Oh, wow. And that was oh, I know. childhood. In adulthood, uh, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. So my joints like to come out of place on a regular basis, and it hurts. And I also have multiple sclerosis. Oh, my goodness. So while I have... Oh, there's one thing I forgot. My graduation present from high school was stage three testicular cancer. Oh, okay. oh. So I spent the, the summer after graduation in chemotherapy. And I'm writing book six and raising my three boys with autism and ADHD. And my oldest boy also has bipolar. Oh, and my, my younger two also have the Ehlers-Danlos. But here's the bottom line, Sailor and Tyler. As much as my body is kind of coming undone and sabotaging itself, I still have three boys I need to prepare for the world. So they need to see me being resourceful, resilient, empowered, someone who looks for opportunities to take action and see the positive in the situation, not at the expense of the reality of the situation, but enough to say there's something we can do here. We are not out of options. We're still in the arena. So whether I'm laying in bed or sitting up in my recliner or in my wheelchair, I want my boys to see empowerment modeled for them. So that is my number one priority. And that's why I show up the way I do. Now, Sailor, to your comment before that I don't seem like I, I have these issues, I'm talking to you one-on-one -on -one in a quiet office that's temperature controlled and the lighting is exactly the way I need it. So I'm a lot more organized. If you put me in a restaurant, you're going to see a completely different bride. Because yeah. the, sen the sensory tension that's in there, the the, the amount of motion, I, I'd, I'd be rocking, I'd be curled up in my chair, I'd be fidgety looking around, I wouldn't be paying attention to you. I'd be on threat alert. Yeah, that's very common with uh, autism spectrum disorder. And also yeah. another thing to point out, it's no longer Asperger's. The DSM, I think since 2014, has relabeled it. Um, autism spectrum I, I use, because I use that for the sake of context because that's what it was called when I was diagnosed with it. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Everything is yeah. under the autism umbrella now. Yeah, yeah, because it's not a single disorder; it's a spectrum. Everybody has like different levels. Uh, they have different kinds of skills, but they all share similar tra traits in each of the domains. And I see, you know, because you're right. I mean, people with with this disorder, they they're often very uh, fixated on routines, like you said. You know, well, since you're in the here's, office here's, now, you're fine. Here's a metaphor that, that comes to mind because I, I love the conversation about the continuum. There's more to a mountain than its peak, right? There's the sides and there's all different smaller peaks. Well, we look at the autism spectrum and we pay attention to autism, right? That's the peak. That's the diagnosis. Well, everything that kind of looks like it is not quite the peak, but still belongs to the mountain. We call that neurodivergence. Wow. That's how I see it, at least. It's neurodivergence. Because, I mean, you're right. People with autism, I mean, they're not obviously neurotypical 
uh, like the average person. You know, they, they y'all see and hear the world differently, but at the same time, I see autism as a, it's not rather strange. I, I see it more as a trade-off. Yes, you know, y'all may not do so well in average areas, but y'all do have, you know, very particular traits. I don't know about you, but I know some people with autism who can detect minute details that the average average person cannot. That's one of the reasons I'm so good at my job. I hear things in the way a person talks that everybody else misses. When I was in grad school, because I, I have a auditory tactile synesthesia. So I feel sound. I feel people's voices. And there wow. are certain voices that help regulate me. And there are certain voices that are painful to listen to. So, you know, certain songs, for example, I was listening to tunes to help me regulate myself and manage my anxiety before we got on the call. But one thing I want to share, because this has worked to my advantage as well as to my disservice over the years. And you kind of pointed it out where we're good at some things and not so good at others. But when you're on the spectrum, the contrast between what you're good at, and what you stink at is so severe, it's like stepping off a cliff. But yeah. the average person, they're kind of generalists, right? They're pretty good here, pretty good there, not so much over here, but the differences aren't as significant. With us, it's like, wow, you can do all that math in your head. That's amazing. Now tie your shoe. Uh, no. <laughs> they might as well be apples and oranges. Yeah. <laughs> but in my case, when I got my assessments, I tested in the 99.6 percentile in verbal ability. You were very and verbal. So the doc said it would have been 100%, but I was a little slow answering one of the questions. And that has forever soured me time tests. But the point is where I, I listed all my disabilities. The, the dyscalculia can't do math to save a life. The, the dyslexia, the, you know, the ADHD, the autism. I have all those things making it very difficult to live my life. I need a lot of help with organizing, time management, all that stuff. What I don't need help with is articulating my thoughts and feelings. Woo, wow. So people are able to, to connect with the way I explain things, but they automatically assume, well, he must not be challenged. He must have it all together. No, I can explain things good. <laughs> wow. That's my superpower. I struggle with everything else. Now, <laughs> since, go, since ahead. You go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go right ahead. Oh, since you struggle with everything else, how did you get through with ADHD and all the other stuff you had? How did you get through math in high school and college? Because, uh, like, of course, I don't have autism myself, but I am like, I do have ADHD to some degree. Uh, where I can't, you know, I can't stay focused on the task at hand, especially in the morning. You know, I. Uh, when I dig up, I have trouble getting going in the morning. That's why I take a, I get that. I, I take Folkland to stay focused. I take a stimulant called Folkland, and it does help me. Um, but uh, of course, I was terrible at math growing up, especially in high school. Could not do algebra, and of course, I, I not only that, I couldn't do it because I couldn't really see it. I'm I'm visually challenged now. Of course, some blind people can do math, but of course they do it in their head. 
you know, but how, how did you get, how did you get through high school and college? How'd you get a master's degree? How'd you, how'd you get as well, high as you could? Math in high school? In college. By the, college. Sun, by the skin of my teeth. That's how I got through it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was always taking the, you know, the, the, the most basic math classes, you know, what, what's the minimum I could do to fulfill the requirement. I majored in social work instead of psychology because I couldn't handle the math requirement. Otherwise, I could be a psychologist. Yeah. But honestly, I think social work's a better fit because it's so community focused and getting out there and changing the world. And that's more me. Wow. But what really got me through it was the, the fact that I was tenacious enough to just want to get it done, to just get through. I didn't want to do it again, right? It was like doing your prison sentence. Yeah. And to do your, your, you're on parole. I'm not going back to that. When I was <laughs> I in you. college. That's a good analogy. There was one, there was one algebra course I had to take. Couldn't get out of it no matter how much I made. So I was used to taking four or five classes per quarter. This time I took only the math class. And I swear I spent as much time on that as I would have had I had four courses. Only the because math class. Wow. Right, I... Only the math class. And, and my working memory being so awful, it was hard to remember the rules. And, you know, because with the, the dyscalculia, my brain reverses orders of operation and reverses numbers. So I'll think I'm multiplying one number and I'll end up multiplying something else. So it was a lot of taking it slow, remembering the principles, sticking with the basics, not overthinking it getting it done and letting my brain forget every single bit of it. Wow. So, so that, I got through that class with a B and I worked B. my butt off. And, and I offer photographic proof if you don't believe me. And so, wow. So dyscalculia, I would say it's like dyslexia, right? Some people call it that just because one of the commonalities is the reversals. Yeah. The reversing numbers. But it's more complicated than that. It's how do I manipulate numbers? How do I calculate? You know, do I remember the orders of operation and stuff? And my brain looks at algebra and stuff, and it thinks, oh, this is Tetris with hieroglyphics. I don't want to do this. Wow. So I do social work instead. I'm sure you I'm sure you had a lot of tutors, right? To help you with math, right? I had a codependent mother uh, who was a rescuer and was practically my helicopter mom and she was very good at math so she would help me through the rough parts and mostly math was something I survived I wouldn't say it's anything that I thrived in it was one of those classes that when you look at where the trajectory of a person is according to their gifts if math doesn't look like it's going to be part of that get over it yeah <laughs> get, the kid, get the kid through it let them focus on their strengths because the thing they can monetize is what's going to help them live their life. Not all the state names or capitals or what number presidents, so on and so forth was. That stuff doesn't move the needle. Yeah, you always know, help, focus help on your gifts. these kids learn something that they can take action with and actually create something for themselves. But and, schools need an overhaul. Yeah, and that's, and that's why a lot of colleges, I think, they focus on too much general knowledge. And they 
they make you take a lot of courses that are unnecessary. Tyler, I don't know if you can agree with me on this, but I mean that's one of the reasons why I I didn't I didn't finish college because it was just too much. I I you know I couldn't yeah. handle the courses so much, especially the math and like a lot of times you don't need a degree to be successful, and that's why we're in entrepreneurship now, like starting our own podcast business. And so well, let me tell yes, you this. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Let, let me tell you this, Sailor. You don't need schooling. What you need is an education. And right now, where you are at your your podcast conference, you're getting an education. Yes, indeed. That's right. And think you about what we have. Specialized insight to help you monetize a skill and a passion. Yes. Okay, exactly. let's do that. And I'm a big champion of lived experience and the value of it. One sure. of my clients. I'd hold her up against any trained therapist any day because she's done the work on herself and has such tremendous insight and emotional balance and patience. I would send people to her for counseling. And because she doesn't have letters, she's easily discounted, which is completely unreasonable in my mind because she has the education. She wow. just didn't go to school for it. She lived it. You, I hear you, Brian. You have to get an education, but education may mean different to each person. You know, like for mm -hmm. me, you know, college ain't the thing, but if anything is, you know, being on the journey that I'm on now. And yeah, if you're, I, I, if you're planning I, on being a surgeon, I hope you went to school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but in some cases, you know, you're better off kind of finding your own way. Right, exactly. It's, and, but yeah, yeah. You, you only need a degree if you want to be a doctor or lawyer. And, um, you know, college is just general knowledge. Focus on your specialty. I've, I've heard it say from um, a common YouTuber. His name is Jad T. Jones. He, he uh, put up a video. Uh, it was 24 minutes. He says... How just going to college overall is just a waste of your time, uh, unless you truly know what you want to do. He says, before you even register for the courses, you have to know if that's what you want to do. Because a lot of college students, they're going to school, they get out, they have no jobs. And they're just broke, man. You know, they they they're just going into huge holes of debt. Okay. And no, well, it's, let's it's let's gone. simplify this. Before before you go into college, you need to know what effect you want to have on the world. Right. Exactly. Because people talk about what what job do you want to do for the next twenty years, or or you know, what do you see yourself doing? I see myself in a difference, a very specific difference. And there's certain information that I need, certain relationships I need to have in order to allow me to be effective at that. I don't need to know everything about ancient Mesopotamian history in order to accomplish that. You know, maybe it'll make me more aware of the world I'm in, but I can go and find that stuff on Google. I can go find it at the local library. Don't make me pay for it. Exactly. I can find this stuff on my own. Teach me this stuff that is actionable. Yes. That when I walk out the door, I know this is the effect I want to have on the world. And this is the factor strategy I learned in class today that's going to help me have that. If you're not teaching me that, you're wasting my time. You got it. 
but that's just me. That's why I'm not a teacher. Right. Exactly. That's but why being able, a, a lot of parents or teachers or whatever are so used to this generalist approach to things. They're almost afraid to help us zero in on our zones of genius because they're afraid they're cheating us or leaving us out. Trust me, if we're not going to use it, we don't retain it. You know, you can spend all those years trying to help us write the perfect research paper or pass the math test or know everything about socialism. But if it doesn't, you know, raise our energy level, it doesn't excite us, you might as well have never told us. I can't agree with you more. I think, you know, what the advice that you're giving on the show is very, uh, very, very useful. And so now um, you, you're, you're a social worker, right? Well, that's my degree. I don't. I didn't keep up my license for a lot of reasons. Part of it being the ableist state that I live in, who believes that people should have to be present in order to get their continuing ed credits, even though it causes excruciating pain. So still working on that bureaucratic nightmare. I hear you. So what do you do now besides raising your three sons? And also, let's go into... Tell me more about like raising your three sons as well. How have you, how have you managed to raise them? Like, is their autism, is it the same degree as yours, or um, just yeah, elaborate more on that. They're very different. I think that their mom is very much on the spectrum, even though she won't admit it. That's my that's my ex, and. My boys have different levels of challenges. They're very unique, different from each other. My middle boy was more autistic in more classic sense, speech delay, huge sensory issues, meltdowns on a regular basis. Uh, he just left for his job a little while ago. Works uh, full-time doing fast food right now until he figures out what classes he wants to take. Oh, wow. But he's he gets to be hyper and move and use his energy and and kind of talk loud because that's what his hyperactivity and stuff demands. Well, if you're in a busy kitchen in a fast food place, you get to just boom, just kind of let all that energy out and move around and he absolutely loves it. So that's good for him. But one thing that I want to emphasize here to everybody out there who thinks they're a solo act who has to do it alone, it has and continues to take a village to raise my boys. I collaborate with educators instead of slamming my fist at meetings and telling them about all the rights they're violating and how they're going to hear from this lawyer and that. No, I make friends of them. We're on the wow. same team. We all want to be successful. Let's support each other in being successful so we all win. If we are adversaries, everybody suffers. So I make allies of my physicians, of my the kids' teachers, of my friends. I, I find experts. Because like I mentioned, I have all of these difficulties myself. I need this help as much as the boys do. And the lady I'm married to now, it's ironic this is episode 13, Sailor, because Sunday is my 13th anniversary with this lady, my wife, Kathy, who I've known since I was four years old. Wow. And we went to school till sixth grade. And then I went to a different school. We lost touch for 37 years. My first marriage fell apart. And I got on Facebook to try and, you know, reconnect and build myself a new support system. And I decided to send her a friend request because I'd thought about her in passing all these years. Turns out she was one town over the whole time. Never wow. been married. Just her and her dog. No kids. 
so she started hanging out with me and we fell in love and got married. Now it's 13 years later. How, wow, how ironic. What an incredible story right, right there. Y'all lost touch for a long time. And then after all these years, y'all came you back. Help, you want to hear the hallmark aspect of that story? Sure, yes. Her profile was only two hours old when I sent her the friend request, and I was the first request she accepted. <gasps> oh, my goodness. And let me ask, is she on the spectrum? Oh, wow. She's very ADHD. Very, oh, wow. Very, oh, very ADHD. But y'all seem to make it work, y'all. She's y'all... amazing. She has executive function skills that I could only dream of. You know, she, she can't keep track of her phone. She's always losing her keys. She'll do five different things before she does the original thing that she wanted to do. But if there is chaos that needs to be organized, step aside and let her handle it. Wow. So and so you and so you're married to her now and she's you've been married 13 years. How incredible. Yeah, I am significantly better person because I'm married to her. I know there's somebody out there for everybody. And Tyler, you and I, we haven't found the one yet. But Brian, can you attest about us? Do you do you believe we'll find? Oh, that, that's oh. absolutely true. Because what what it's ultimately going to boil down to, if you get rid of the idea that you need to marry someone that's going to elevate your status. Okay? So, oh, I married a lawyer. Aren't I impressive? I attracted a lawyer. Or oh, look how beautiful my such and such is. Mm, aren't I? Aren't I just the you know, the top ten whatever? Because I got this. It's not about status. It's about the person who aligns with your values and helps you feel alive and kind of gives you that freedom to say, go out there and take a risk. I got you back. Wow. And Kath has Kath has been that for me. And if you're connected with a person on a values level. That is so much deeper than all this superficial BS. That stuff doesn't even matter. I'm connected on Facebook with, quote, average women married to guys with severe cerebral palsy. Okay? The physicality is minor in their relationship because I hear about all the adventures they're taking, all the laughing they do together, you know? And I'm just like, they're having a life. They're living their life together, enjoying each other's life and presence and company. And if that's what it boils down to for you, don't pick your partner because you want to impress the audience. No, absolutely. Pick, pick, pick your partner because they lift you up. When I'm out in public with, with Kath, I don't care who's looking at me. I hope they're enjoying the show. Yeah. But it's for me and her. That's it. And I think it's awesome that Kathy knows, like, your conditions that you have and you know she accepts you for who you are and you know there's I'm sure there's quite a few people that just don't want even understand and you know honestly I've been kind of the, afraid the of that. The physical problems I have the the MS and the, the EDS started really showing up a couple years into our marriage but all the autism stuff all the meltdowns she knew about that and she signed up for it anyway and first after wife, right? all these years, she's still here. Your second wife, right? Yeah. Right, right. Oh, Their so mom, I... the one I suspect is on a spectrum, has checked out. On occasion, she'll text them or 
she'll have him come over for a weekend and she'll send him away to do something while she looks at her phone. But Kath, who didn't give birth to any of them, is all in. Wow. How how awesome. How very, awesome. very blessed to have very blessed. found her and yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, why did like the mom checked out? Was it she was she just overwhelmed like raising all the boys? Because well, as well, you I, mentioned, she had autism. Like I, said, too. I, I suspect she's on the spectrum and she was also raised in a household where feelings were not looked at, talked about, addressed. So you got three boys on the spectrum that are kind of going every way and you are looking for quiet and control and you got kids that can't give it to you and you got a husband who's working 15 hour days at his own therapy practice. She got overloaded and instead of talking about it, she ran. I see. Wow. So, but at least you have a wonderful wife now, which is it was awesome. Yeah. Incredibly traumatic at the time, but thank goodness when you allow yourself the time and do the work to heal, things in time get better. Everything all happens the way it's supposed to for a reason. Mm -hmm. And uh uh and so I wanna ask also, so you you mentioned one of your boys, he has classic uh kinds of autism. Mm -hmm. Uh I guess you don't have those. I mean, you you have, uh, you mentioned you do have meltdowns and stuff as well, but I guess it's just different from your boys. Or I mean, I'm just trying to understand. My, my boys have not had meltdowns in a long time. But when they would have meltdowns, it was a panic. You know, even when you would tell my middle boy, you tell him no, he would turn bright red. He would tense up. He'd scream at the top of his lungs. It was like you just threw his dog in the river or something just by not giving him what he wanted. Or if there was a sensory issue, he was very sensitive to the sunlight. He'd walk out the front door, he'd press his forearm against his eyes to cover the sun and yell, ow, 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 it's hurting my wow. eyes. He couldn't wear jeans, was always stripping his, his pants off. Uh, he still lives in sweats fabrics are very very sensitive to him so he kind of walks around most of the time looking like i just pulled him out of a dumpster you know oh, I, wow. I do my best to, to try and get him to comb his hair or whatever but he for the most part seems happy-go-lucky extremely naive which is a concern you know his innocence around social relationships is incredibly lacking you know it's almost like he's uh in single digits emotional maturity even though he's 20 so i encourage him to take risks i give him some social coaching but i also need to keep him kind of close so but how old are your boys they're 24 20 and 17 wow and so you said one of your boys is not emotionally he's not his age but that's that's the middle boy the 20 year old i see he's got the speech delay still affects him so he mispronounces a lot of words. He's very clumsy when he talks. But when he writes, you'd think he were talking to some corporate person. Very formal, very meticulous. He's able to do in writing what he can't do speaking. Wow. That's, wow, that's, that's, that's wonderful. It's great. That's, that's, that's And me being a writer and incredible. preferring to do that, 
has benefited because the boys are all into writing now too. Wow. That's a very unique story. And uh, uh, I want to touch on this. Uh, Tyler, I think you've said this too. Um, maybe you might know why. Um, I've heard autism affects boys more than girls. Would you, would you know why? That's primarily because, yeah, yeah, that's primarily because of cultural bias. The fact that oh. the research was done on male, white males in United States. How white males, boys in particular, present with these symptoms. Okay, that's what we use. Well, girls don't present like that because they're not boys. So for the longest time, the only girls being counted were the ones whose symptomology characteristic looked more like boys did. It wasn't until they realized that girls have a completely unique profile that they needed to be assessed differently. Now, and I always thought, it's at least 50-50. This disparity, everybody thinks, doesn't exist. It's because we're assessing poorly. Wow. And so, so I just ha I had to ask, um, why, is, why was there a bias towards white males or white boys in general but not well, doing it equally with girls and boys oh the time in which it was being done the fact that american academia is predominantly white male so there's that cultural that arrogance you know and that's one of the things that really needs to be looked at more commonly in the entire mental health field the fact that it stigmatizes emotions in women calling them hysterical that women are more likely to be diagnosed with bipolar because women are moodier. You know, my doctor, my my kid's psychiatrist blew off bipolar as a diagnosis for my oldest for like five years when he was in and out of the hospital in crisis. It wow. wasn't until we got him a psychiatrist that finally said, I think this is bipolar. I'm thinking, really? So we switched doctors. But this doctor, again, was very old school, very... How do I say it? Thought men are better than women. So bipolar is like a women's thing. You know, it's not a, and his kind of thinking, no, 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 it's probably not likely for the boy. So his bias affected his ability to be an effective clinician. Wow. So it's important to look at what's the history of this book? Whose values and agendas are being served by this? Well, the insurance company, for one, that coding are building codes. That's how they get paid, is by I labeling see. people, okay? They make so, more money that way. And they make more money if they diagnose you with something they can treat. Because oh. it's fixable, like popping a pill. That, that's a whole other discussion, my friend, but our mental health system is messed up. It and is. It does I can't not, agree more. Yeah. It does not empower people. No, no. It tells them you're sick. This is the pill. If there's anything else that could be done to help this, you got to figure it out. I'm not giving you any resources. I'm just giving you a pill. That's usually the extent of Western medical care. How many people, I can't tell you how many people have come to me. Well, you know, I'm not <laughs> feeling too good. I, I think I need to adjust my meds. No, you need to adjust your social group. You need to adjust your belief system. The pill is one strategy it's one tool it's like a carpenter going to work with just his chisel no hammer 
oh, I'll just make it work. I got this one tool. No, you need a whole set. A pill is not a problem solver. A pill, if anything, brings you out of the stupor or the stratosphere of whatever your mood swing is at the moment. So you can find your way towards the middle ground where you're a lot more resourceful and resilient. That's where you learn the rest of the stuff. So don't think that a medication is supposed to be your one-stop shop. Yeah. It opens the door. It opens the door for you. Right. That's what it does. Exactly. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. Like, how is it that we treat mental health differently than just physical health? Like, let's say someone's diabetic. Well, obviously, someone who's diabetic or has hypertension won't just take medicine. They have to do the lifestyle too. Right. They have to do exercise. They have to do proper diet. Why can't we approach the same strategy to that? to physical medicine as we do with mental health. Why can't we make it equal? Well, in Western society, we live in our heads, right? Everything right. is about intelligence and being strategic and calculating. And you look at our capitalist system, it's all about having one up, you know, being smarter than the other guy. And I remember our past presidential election, one of the big bones of contention was, is this person crazy? Is this person mental competent? This person is stumbling with their words. Are they stupid? And I, heard that stuff. I wanted to reach through the screen and say, you trying to tell me that less than perfect equals incompetent? That's what they were trying to, to say to people. About Joe Biden, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The man was, he stuttered when he was a kid and he was bullied for it. Now he's the flipping president. And you're saying, he should be disqualified because he stumbles his words? Are you kidding me? And unfortunately, there are people in this world that are and so eager for any advantage, they will be petty and point that stuff out. But the stigma around not having absolute control of your mental faculties, that's what it boils down to, why mental health is so stigmatized. Because if you don't have complete control over yourself, there's something wrong with you. You're weak. You know, you come from bad stock or whatever other nonsense they want to throw at you to make it a defect of yours. And one of the things that I'm hoping to do with you know, how I put myself out there is to destigmatize it by demonstrating that this is a shared experience amongst human beings. Yes. Way to go, Brian. And, and because it is all of us, I don't care how much status you try and shake in my face, you are no different than me, my friend. We're both doing our best to figure it out. Let's try and do it together instead of competing with one another. That is That's right. Good words. Of That's how I roll. And it doesn't mean we have to agree or disagree politically and we can still vote for our, you know, candidate we like or whatever we like or whatever. You know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. One thing our, our government has absolutely lost sight of, this is no secret to anyone, mm -hmm. is the ability to look at somebody you disagree with and say, let's find some common ground and build from there. Oh, I can't agree with you more. Yeah, our country oh, is yeah. so divided. And I remember there was a time back when I first started voting, I'm in my 50s now, when Congress actually seemed to be eager to collaborate. You know, you had that backstabbing and all that nonsense, but you still had a willingness to say, okay, let's just put our egos aside. Let's just get something done. And often it was pretty good. It wasn't perfect because you had to compromise. 
which typically meant water it down to the point where it looks good, but doesn't really move the needle. Right. But, right. Well, the way I see it, we're not going to solve any political problems today. No, we're not. The way, I, the way the way I see it, if anything, I think Congress is doing too much. I think that I think we need to turn, return to federalism and republicanism. Is what we need to return to. That's what I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what a, I believe. That's an entirely different conversation. It is. Yeah. yeah. So um. Yeah, I know. So um. So just to get this straight, autism affecting boys more. Uh, it's not the actual truth. It's only a bias, correct? Right. And yeah. keep in mind, statistics can only reflect what you're trying to measure. There may be other variables in there that are affecting the outcome that you are not even aware of. You know, whenever I see, well, if you live by a car exhaust when you're pregnant, your child could be autistic. Okay, so how come every kid in Shanghai is an autistic? Ever see the pollution in that city? Oh, Everybody yeah. have lung cancer right now. Okay, this some of these grasping at straws just is frustrating because at the end of the day, you need to know what's going to meet my child's needs regardless of their challenges. They melt down all the time if they have food sensitivities. I can either focus on how do I get them to stop it or how do I figure out what their needs are so that I can help them meet their needs in a more effective way. Yes, you got. You don't have to figure out how to get them to stop it. You have to figure out their needs because think of it. Because they're not neurotypical, they're different. No wonder they're having yeah. those anxieties. They, they, that, they use that to cope. Yeah, diagnosis does not take masking into consideration. Because when you're looking at things like autism, ADHD, it's behaviorally assessed. Do yes. You act like it? If you act like it, well, then you have it. Well, what if you learn to suppress it? Because when you act like it, you get in big trouble. So survival has demanded that you stuff it down. That's not coping. So Never someone says, it. well, you seem like you're managing very well. No, I'm not. I'm hanging on by a thread. So, I can't wait to go home and strip all my clothes off and turn on the fans and totally decompress. You're right. Also, tell us about your other conditions. I know Tyler, this will stand out to you because uh, you 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 do a lot of research with cancer. But um, how did you handle your testicular cancer? Cancer? How long did you have it? And Tyler, if you want, you can ask a lot of questions because I know uh, your mother had cancer, and you you're very fond with that topic. So, um, yeah, both of y'all take it away. Well, frankly. Frankly, I fell apart and so did my life. My girlfriend dumped me. Uh, a lot of my friends stopped talking to me. Keep in mind, this was 1988, before internet. All we had was phones on the wall. I couldn't send out a blast email saying, hey, everybody, rally the troops. I'm in the hospital getting chemotherapy. So some of it was just circumstantial. Some of it was people simply not wanting to deal with the fact that their peer was fighting for his life. So I had this vacuum with almost zero support. My family, highly dysfunctional. All they knew how to do with their emotions was scream them at each other. That doesn't help. So it was anger. So I spent a lot of time being mad. There was one time I put my fist through the the wall in my room. I was so mad. I just, and it was between two two by fours and it was like an inch on either side. So I hit the wall perfectly. If I was an inch left or right, I would have busted my hand. So that was very, very fortunate. 
but I was angry and I was sad and depressed because my doctors weren't telling me how I was doing. I would say, is, is the chemo working? Well, you know, we like the results we're getting. So is it gone? Well, we're confident that this is good. Blah, 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 blah. They wouldn't give me a straight answer. I don't know. Am I living? Am I dying? Is it better? Worse? What? So I was always on edge. And it was the whole summer. It was July through September. And then end of September, I was told I was in remission. And when I got that word, I it was like the future opened up, like someone just opened up the drapes. I said, holy crap, I can start thinking about future again. I can start thinking about having a life. And that's when I started thinking, all right, I'm bitter and terrified and angry. I don't want to feel like this. I want to feel less like a victim and more like I'm in charge of my life. So I immersed myself in studies, philosophy, Buddhism, psychology, self-help. I started doing journaling and writing. That's how my first book happened, where I talked about just the horrendous time I had going through the treatment. And then upon hearing I was in remission, the life I became determined to create for myself. And now 30, 34 years later, here we are. Ben. So um, why why did your family ostracize you the way they did? Whenever you wow. found out you had cancer, we, why wouldn't they support you we like need, mine did? We need Oprah for this one, my friend, unpack <laughs> all of this stuff. My dad's family, his parents were incredibly abusive. Uh, they didn't want their kids. They just kept having them. So they were to be quiet, stay out of the way, don't bug us. My dad was essentially not parented. So when he became a dad, he became a dad because that's what you do. He didn't know what to do, so he worked all the time. When he would intervene, it was when he was frustrated. By then, he would only be angry. Mm. And you'd be afraid he was going to hit you or something else, which he never did. My mom, being ADHD, very emotionally unregulated. You never know when she was going to get mad. She yelled a lot. Or she would hug and mush all over you, demanding hugs and kisses. So you never knew whether she loved you or whether you should be afraid. So that was the kind of emotional environment my sibs and I were raised in. And my dad's family, they were pretty much all the same. Didn't talk to each other. I grew up from cousins that lived within walking distance of me. Two groups of cousins. I know nothing about these people. I'm connected with them on Facebook. I know a little bit about their lives. Do I know who they are as people? Not a clue because they refuse to have anything to do with each other. And my mom's family will talk about you, but not talk to you. A lot of gossips. So that was the family I had when I was going through chemo. Wow, that's crazy because most of the time, whenever you have cancer, family is all around you supporting you and telling you, you it's going to be okay and you would you're going to overcome this wow you know, it's like my family my family not overcame. my family my <laughs> family was supportive of my mom who overcame cancer three times That's of course it spread man. it spread the breast cancer uh -huh. and of course she ultimately succumbed to pneumonia and died but she didn't die from cancer it's crazy amen to that amen so, there's there's something to be said for community healing the, the fact that you borrow the energy and the compassion from other people and let that lift you up, that improves your immune system as opposed to just trying to figure it all out on your own. No, I got this. I'm tough. It's not going to beat me. 
Right. Well, you know, I, go ahead. I, I believe that if we simply improve the immune system, tweak it a little bit, and we and we uh, start living even healthier, we could eliminate probably most, if not a vast majority of cancers. You know, well, I'll tell you, I I'm would... in the process of cleaning up my diet to try and handle the inflammation in right. my body better. Well, I was doing research and hot chili peppers, which I love, like Me jalapenos. Oh, I love, yeah. love, love. They actually have a chemical in it called capsaicin, which is a, which is a cancer-fighting agent within the pepper. Can we, by chance, isolate that so we can forego the peppers? Because I don't know that I could. I don't think I have nearly the fortitude think you do you, when it I comes think you to peppers. Can. I think you can. I think you can take a capsaicin, which wouldn't be rural spicy, but I'm not sure. But I actually learned that a lot. A lot of the reason why Asians live beyond 100 years because they eat spicy all the time. Yeah. Like really? They eat a lot of spices. I mean, they eat a lot, they of, eat a fish, lot of herbs. A lot of omega three. Yeah. That too, but they eat a lot of spicy food, and spicy food is good for you. Yes, believe it is. or not, well, it really is. Well, it opens up the sinuses. And I love spicy. Oh, it'll open your sinuses. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd be curious to read but, some of your research on that, Tyler. It sounds interesting. Well, I basically I just find stuff that I read about that particular subject, okay. but yeah. It's just interesting to me. And I actually heard, I think from my grandma, that someone, instead of using traditional chemo to fight to uh, fight cancer, they used peppers and other agents, natural agents, you know. Yeah, if, I was a cancer, if I was a cancer cell and you threw a hot pepper at me, I'd scramble too. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, there could be supplements you could take instead of the hot chili pepper well, for those who can't people, handle it. People were around for millennia before pharmaceuticals were invented they oh, figured yeah. out how to hang around of course they did so I, i'm definitely with you that there's a lot of wisdom that we've oh, barely even begin to tap into that's in nature oh for sure and not only that our health our health also our emotional health also plays a role as well if you're always depressed and gloomy and stuff well you're not going to fight disease as well as say if you're cheery but that doesn't mean you always have to be cheery don't misunderstand me well, let, you know, let me be clear. Obviously, for grief. This is a. a Do very, I? I'm glad you you said that, Tyler, because this is an important distinction. Is, yeah. It's not about being cheery all the time. It's about being empowered all the time. Yes, exactly. Empowered boils down to your capacity to take action to move the needle. So you can be depressed because you're exhausted emotionally, given everything you have. Physically, you feel you can't go any further. Exactly. But then there's the part of you that says. Just a little bit more. Just one more shot. Because your purpose hasn't been defeated yet. Exactly. You know you still have an opportunity it. to take you action. Got, yeah. As long as you are aware of that and focused on where do I have influence? Where is my power? I can take action to do something different here. As long as you're focused on that, hope does not die. Amen. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. And you know what? You know what? You know, I mean, I'm a very, I'm a Christian. Um, I believe that hope does, true hope does not disappoint. We don't no, say as Christians we hope so. We say we have hope because our hope is found in Christ. That's what I believe. You know, of course, I don't know what you are, but that's just what I believe. And what, what matters, believe what matters, Tyler, is mm -hmm. what you believe and how you show up because of it. Yeah, 
the important thing is be bold about what you believe, even if there's opposition and you're going to have it. And that's okay. You and I can meet together and both agree these people need to be helped. And we don't have to be on the same page theologically in order to accomplish that as a team. No, we don't. No, not at all. We just align our values and we take action. Yes. We don't even have to we don't even have to necessarily agree on exactly the same uh, techniques that could be used to help with that. As long as we both agree that we want to improve lives, we we don't want just a bunch of, you know, jargon about, oh, this and this and you got to take this, you got to do this. No, we don't have to do that always. And sometimes you don't even need medicine to improve your mental health. No. Oftentimes you don't. Oh, so much. So much of what affects our mental health is how we have positioned ourselves in relationship to life. Right. You you position yourself as a recipient. Life happens to me. Life happens for me. I can't make anything happen. That's your position. You're going to be miserable. But if if your position is, I am a drop in the ocean. As I move, so does the ocean. But the ocean also affects me. It's reciprocal. As opposed In other to, words, I'm here to make a big splash. Everybody get out of my way. No, that's, that's, that's not how it works. You know, yeah. you're basically saying here, you're basically saying here, look, be realistic, but make it happen. Make your life happen. You can do it's, something. Exactly. And, and action, I feel that the action you take could be simply to pause and breathe. Exactly. That's you a know, good I message there. I feel that me and Sailor have been called to this mission to inspire other people in what we do. And I'm glad that you're doing, doing, doing it. Doing right are here. Su- these are such important conversations. I'm thrilled yes, that you guys are doing this. And exactly. That's, and that's, because we want to inspire others. And that's why I'm here on this retreat um, to uh, do lots of recording and get our plan uh, more developed. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there just like you have. Oh, we will. Endeavors. And uh, uh, so... I want to touch on a few more things. Um, I know, uh, of course, Brian, uh, you're limited on time. Um, so you've written six books. I'm I'm writing my sixth currently. What's your latest book? It's going to be a memoir of all of my, my most current strategies, of the beliefs I have, the strategies I use, and how I stay empowered, even though all this stuff is happening. Tyler, do you That's want basically to- that book. Do you want to tell us, tell, tell Brian what we hopefully we can work on? Well, uh, me and Sailor are actually planning on writing a memoir. Well, we're writing one. It's been a long time since we've worked on, yeah. on it, but <laughs> it's about our lives. It's about, you know, what we've overcome. And I put a lot in there about how my mom has helped me in so many ways. I mean, she fought for me from the time I was born to the time she died. Well, actually, in a way, well, she fought for me from the time I was born till, you know, throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, even as an adult, she still fought for me in an indirect way because she fought for her life. She fought for, uh, she fought against cancer. She, she fought against breast for cancer. You. She modeled perseverance for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of the outcome, there's a lot of wisdom and modeling that can be done for just how someone handles the process. Exactly. You know, when I was a kid, the school didn't know how to teach me. The public school system didn't at first. 
but she and I went to Austin twice to write legislation, Texas, so that people can be married. They're disability. You are my hero, man. Yeah. That's that's how oh, you well, become you. the change. Is when you, when exactly. You, we well, make it happen. You can yell at the teachers all day long, but they don't make the decision. Not even the school board makes yeah. the decision always. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just don't know what to do. That's why you got to educate them on it. Way to and go over like their you, head, you, man. You feel that you're my I'm surfer. Oh yeah, I haven't conquered but the way. What's really great about what you guys are doing is you can gonna move. And it was pretty the the new one. It's a favorite of mine. One of the big distinctions between how the character Maverick flies is he's very intuitive, and in how yeah. he decides what he's going to do. And the Navy wants them to say, "This is the strategy you used. If the enemy flies this way, you fly that way." Right. And he's like, "Screw all that. This exactly. is how you do it." So very different approaches, but ultimately you get the job exactly. Done. And when you're telling your stories. You're saying, this is another way. Here's another path. I made different choices. Right. I had different experiences. I was supported. Like in your case, Tyler, mm -hmm. I had a much better relationship with my mom and I got the result. But Bri over here, it was kind of hot and cold and he got the result. Go show. You can't say, because of my life, I can't. Right. Because right. if you do that. So all these different if you, stories. Yeah. If you do that, if you say you can't, well, guess what? You're you're limiting yourself, and you're not going to do it because you yeah. won't. You have decided certain options are not available to you, and you are. Now that doesn't mean incorrect. that doesn't mean that you can just do anything. Obviously, you got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. But at the same time, you can't just limit yourself and say, "Hey, oh, I can't do this, so therefore I won't." Yeah, I can't do it. No, we can't do yet. Do that, right? That often means, well, I don't have the resources or the relationships I need but I am clearer now on what kind I need. So I will exactly. start hunting and putting these things in place. Exactly. That's the key. That's the Absolutely. key. So, um, uh, so you have, uh, so you mentioned, yeah, a couple of other conditions. What, what other stuff did you have? I have a uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a genetically inherited connective tissue disorder. So all the stuff that holds my organs in place and keeps them from moving around, that stuff is slack. I've had three hernias repaired. I have a fourth hernia and they just tear. It just happens. Wow. I don't have to exercise. And the fourth one, they don't want to operate on because they're afraid it's just going to tear. Because scarring, you know, incisions on me, they, they don't heal well. So some of the hernias were caused by previous surgeries where they sewed it up and it popped open. So there's that and my kneecaps, bones in my feet, my uh, saddle joints here, my in my my neck is very loose. So I have joints that get stuck, joints that partially come out of place and need to be popped back in. So my body's in constant pain, 24 oh, Wow. It's either muscle cramps, muscle spasms, joint pain, nerve pain, shooting down my arm, shooting down my legs. Uh, so it's resting, taking medication to try and manage all that pain. Then there's the multiple sclerosis. Uh, it causes brain fog, increased forgetfulness on top of the ADHD. 
it has affected my bladder. So I, I'm like an 80 year old man, you know, in that respect, because the nerves are being compromised. They're not really doing their job. So I'm on medications for that and all kinds of fun stuff. It's, it's getting closer to me being unable to walk at all. Wow. Because my legs are so weak and I'm so clumsy that I'm at a big fall risk. Hard to get up and down the stairs, hard to get up in the morning. It's exhausting just to hold my body up. I was going to say a few minutes ago, hey, guys, I need to go lay down. You know, can we do any final words? Because I'm really starting to feel holding my body up is like if you put a big sack of rice over my shoulders and said, hold on to this for a while. I hear you. It feels like that to try and hold my body up. So (laughs) I'm at a point where I need to go lay down. Well, yeah, well, well, in that respect, I guess we can come to some final words because, uh, yeah, yeah, you've held up for a while. But um, so, yeah, it's all it's so uh, Tyler, if you don't have any more questions uh, for uh, um, for Brian, I guess we can do final words. But to be clear, uh, your sons were diagnosed with the autism first or were you were you diagnosed after them or, or how did it go down? After it was, it was when my oldest, he started school and he went into crisis and his teacher spotted what she thought was going on. So I had him assessed. And after beginning the research and reading up on what Asperger's was, all the box started being ticked for me. And And then I went off and got my own assessment. And that's how I learned. And so you always had it like it, it it was just missed. Yeah, because back in the day, they thought autism was this thing you would never see in the course of your life because it was so rare and now yeah. we practically grow on trees right i yeah because again it's a spectrum you know but um, well, that and you have this one individual on the spectrum who doesn't know they're on the spectrum they go and have kids multiple kids now you wonder why the numbers are going up because yeah. all these undiagnosed <laughs> kids are making multiples of themselves that's why the numbers are going up so I guess can autism be genetic since your kids have it? Empirically, considering that you see one parent has it and then multiple kids have it, through observation, it's genetic. Have they found the smoking gun yet? No. I see. But they continue to look. They Damn are it. getting closer to understanding how autism affects the brain and just how globally it impacts things. But why that happens, they don't know yet. Wow. Wow. So, um, yeah, well, thanks for clarifying. Well, I know, I know, like, I, I know you're getting tired, which I understand, but, um, uh, all I get, all our guests, we ask if there's anybody out there who's struggling right now, what message do you want to give to them? Go ahead, Mr. King, take it away. Tell your story to one other person. Take the risk of experiencing the fact that you are not alone. Because hope begins when you realize that you are not isolated, that you have resources available to you, that the universe is conspiring to your success. But you've got to tell your story so you realize it's not just you. Well said. Well Brian King, thanks so much for being on Hope Without Sight. Thanks so much. It's been a sincere pleasure, gentlemen.
You bet. Absolutely. We were happy to have you. Give it up for Brian King, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hope Without Sight with Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans and got a lot of takeaways from this podcast. We hope you feel renewed, inspired, and encouraged like you can just carry on and conquer the world. Please hit the subscribe button on all platforms and tell your friends and family to do the same. And in the meantime, blessings to all.